Don't say it on a podcast, John. That's directly into someone's ear hole. Hello, you're on The Terrace. We are the companion podcast to Night Terrace, which is the time travel comedy for your ears. I'm Bea. I'm sci-fi curious and a Susan Kennedy apologist. And in this episode, we are diving into the series one finale, episode eight, Home, written by John Richards, who's one of the Night Terrace producers and is here. Hello, John. Oh. And the other co-producer is here, Ben McKenzie, a.k.a. Eddie Jones. Hello. Well, the series finale, we finally figure out what the hell's up with Sue and she is sassy and cheeky and great and the Night Terrace house has been creating a time ripple and our heroes end up in a some sort of bubble dimension thing. Yeah, that's that's, that's it. Look, I'm going to stop the summary because I would just like to go through beat by beat because I need to know absolutely everything. (laughs) Okay. We pick up from where we kind of left two episodes back because there's a a cave painting. Yes. Or is that (laughs) an... in the, yes, is that deliberate? We, 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 yeah, we do. This is it was so funny. This is this on the way in um, because uh, it's it's not really comedy. Uh, it's just a drama for a lot of it. Which I you don't have to apologise for not. I just be, not you know, being comedic. Just just to, just to yeah, on a broader thing, I was saying to the guys, what I felt really weird listening to it is, in some ways, I felt really terrible as a writer because it's just half an hour of, of you know basic exposition, and on the other hand. I found it quite emotional and it's quite a nice journey and the characters change and it's had emotional storytelling, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of interesting that it, it sort of does both things which normally would contradict each other, but I, I think it pulls it off. Well, yeah, John, I was going to ask you if you got emotional, if you cried writing this. Well, because I really like how it, 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 it does move the characters along. Like we knew we wanted this thing where, where Anastasia was going to embrace the idea that she really wanted, like we, we yeah, because all series we're going, no, you like doing this, stop pretending you don't. And this is a really other where she gets to embrace that. Um, but I'm sorry, let's go back one step though. So yes, at the beginning, so one of the things we learn later in the episode is that the department has been keeping tabs on the house. And so one of the things we were demonstrating is one of the ways they do that is they find information that's been there for, you know, hidden. So yes, so there's a cave painting in Queensland of the house. You know, so from and that picks up from two episodes ago. And then, of course, it also picks up from the last episode and that they've ended up sort of outside the universe, effectively. Because they were in the disco world. The disco world, which was in itself kind of outside the universe. Oh. You know, they, they sort of, it's almost like the, the they slipped accidentally into the disco world. They which, slipped a disco hey, world. Hey, yes. nice. Because <laughs> yes. um, I do mention that that line, which I, I think is amazing, when Lee mentions about how the house is inside the disco world, but the disco world is also inside the house. Like, you know, they've, they've basically managed to, things have gone wrong, you know, quite seriously wrong, and then they slip through this. But also they say that the house has actually been trying to find August Knight the whole time as well. Yes, and so we find out, we meet August Knight, the designer of the Night Terrace house. Before that, we meet Sue in her Sue form, in her original form. And there's a gag there that one of the first things we know about Sue is she drinks coffee because of all the tea that has been mentioned throughout this series. (laughs) When we meet real Sue, she's drinking coffee. she is saucy. She's she's an earthy earthy girl. Drops a vibrator reference. (laughs) Well, yeah. I never had to. She swears myself. a lot too. It's you know, it's 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 PG swearing, but she she does. You know. Oh, she says pillock. I think I was going through all the words she could say without it being too offensive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because we wanted to sound real, 
but we also didn't want to have to give it like an R rating. Mm. She's not bound by those rules anymore. Like this mm-hmm. is where we discover the whole reason for her shtick of like, or is it, is because they can't influence too much the events of what happens with yes. the house. She has to be subtle. They have to figure it out for themselves, but she can give them a clue to make sure that history, because they, they often find out, it's, it's, it was one of the, I look, as a massive nerd, this figuring out how this would work was one of my favourite parts of the process <laughs> of making this show. And I know that I care about it way more than anyone else involved in the show. Everyone else is like, it's just a comedy, nobody cares. And I'm like, I care, I want to know. But the point is you could tell it means something. Like you could tell there's meaning behind it. So is the term quantum projection, did you guys make that up? Oh, my whole thing is that if you ever want to explain magic, you just put the word quantum in front of it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've got the quantum foam in here. I've got basically everything involving string theory and, and quantum mechanics is so insane that you just, you can do anything you want. That's my feeling. Just, Ben's got yeah. that look at his face. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're completely right. But um, the idea of the machine, like I, again, this is the thing where I was like, I want to know how it works because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, a certain percentage of the audience is like, I want to understand how this works, mm-hmm. even if it, it doesn't have to make sense in the real world, but it's got a, I want there to be a logical underpinning for it. And there is, um, which is that, you know, it, it manifests like a, a thing that Sue kind of inhabits. She's like asleep in this, like imagine like a cryo chamber uh, and her consciousness is projected into the place and time where they yeah, know so night she's never, is. She never physically goes there, but no, she they, to physically be something. Which there. is kind of the point, yeah. is that the department don't have a means of space and time travel. That's why they want to figure out how to make mm-hmm. night terrorists work for them and how to control it. And so that they do have this device, which is presumably based on alien technology, which allows them to project a consciousness into another place and time. Actually, because it's very much like Apollo 13. You know that thing where when the Apollo 13 thing went horribly wrong, you had all the people at Mission Control oh, trying yeah. to work out how to fix it all and then and they, they would communicate. stuff that was in the... Yeah, and they yeah. would basically then talk to them on the radio to go, yeah, if you do this, it might work. So effectively, she's in that situation where there's presumably lots of people at the department trying to work out how to control the house. Yeah. And she's giving the info she can. So, she, so Sue's trying to steer Eddie and Anastasia without being overt about without, it. Without changing the timelines yeah, herself. often they only know where Night Terrace is because it leaves, it, it's got like a device attached to it that when it lands somewhere, it leaves like a little trace behind. It drops a pin. Yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty basically. Much. Yeah. Well, we, I yeah. think we called it data spores. Which we did. Is, it's, it's sort of like <laughs> the revolting. house is leaving droppings <laughs> yeah. behind itself. But, but when it lands in the past, it leaves those behind and then the, the department who can't travel back in time or forwards in time themselves, but they can find in the present the things that were left in the past and that gives them the information the of where the history of the house, of the house too so even though the house has been in the future they can know that because they've seen yeah. from the history so, of yes. the house. so everything she's projected herself onto has to kind of be organic within the scene so yeah. she's been like a, a voicemail and a bird and find something that fits in with the local environment which is why she's a robot in the theme park full of robots and and all that kind of stuff yeah. and so the idea with this one is that when they've worked out that the house has vanished, which it can't do, that they decide that she's going to set all the controls to zero and go there. And because there is nothing for it to map onto her, she thinks that it's just sent her. And Petra has had the most to do this episode than she has all series. So. Oh, yeah, she gets a lot to do. It's quite fun because she also gets to do the exposition and she gets to make Eddie run into a wall, which is quite, <laughs> quite yeah. fun. I'm going this way now, getting further away and further and... Oh! Now, the department was Anastasia's former employer and what a delicious acronym. Department is an (laughs) acronym for, let me see if I got it, the Department of Extraterrestrial Paranormal Alien Radicals, no. (laughs) 
It's an acronym. It's the Department of Acronyms? No. Department is an acronym. What's an acronym? Department. D-E-P-A... Oh, right. So what's the D stand for? Department. Oh, come on. The Department of Extraterrestrial Paranormal Alien Radicals and something monster of something (laughs) nullification. Do you you want to know? I've got it right here. I've got it right here in in a document I can't believe we've not mentioned on the podcast before, the Night Terror series Torah. Yeah, we don't Uh, have Bibles, we have Torahs. Yeah, this is Lee Zachariah's influence. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I'm fairly certain Lee Zachariah actually invented this acronym as well. Yeah, Yeah, he did. Uh, So, department stands for the Department of Extraterrestrial, Paranormal, Alien Radicals and Threatening Monstrous Entities Nullification Task Force. So, yeah, so so Lee came up with that, but I did very much enjoy writing the scene in which, in which, yeah, Petra is trying to explain what <laughs> it is. And it just circles around. And that lovely thing where he says, you need an acronym, and she slaps him. Which yeah. is just slapstick. That's right. Yeah. And I, I also liked that detail that the department also invented liquid paper, which to translate for our UK friends... Tipex? Oh, yeah, it's Tipex in right? the UK, isn't it? Yeah. You, didn't, yeah. you do not want to see where they milk it from. No, that's <laughs> such a gross and amazing joke. That is a, I, think it's I must one of my I was favorites. startled by that joke hearing it again today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correction fluid, if you will, if you want to be non-commercial. <laughs> that sounds that's even grosser. <laughs> I think correction fluid is my version. Like, you know some people can't stand the word moist? moist. <laughs> I think correction fluid might be mine. I'm like, it just sounds do you wrong. Know, it's I've never had a problem with the word moist because all I think is cake. Like, just cake. And yeah, cake is no, moist, yeah. and that's great. Everyone loves cake. But it's funny how many people hate the word Moist. Don't say it on a podcast, John. That's directly into someone's ear hole. (laughs) It's fine. I feel like people's issues with it is gendered, so I'm just like not, I'm just not even bothered by it. Speaking of cake, Anastasia's sitting back with a cup of tea that she's, that has been manifested for her. Oh. Can we say too, how great is Jackie in this episode? I mean, Uh, she's great in all of them, but in this one, she's just, she goes to town. She's got so much, yeah, power in this and. She's got great, like, just a range of emotional responses. So much as well. emotion. We've given her more emotion than this than she's. Even the bit at the end when she starts laughing and it freaks Eddie out because she's yeah. never done that before. Yeah. It's, a, it's a proper cackle. Yeah. And oh, that, it's it was the delight. moment. The moment at the end of the episode where she realizes that she's free from the yes. department's constraints and. Mm. But also that she's choosing to go on these missions from now on. Mm. At the end, she resolves with Eddie to just continue. We, we learn through the course of this episode that there are multiple. Terrace houses because they usually come in a set. Wait, so that's mm. the point of them. Oh, yes, and we need to, to mention um, hello to Katie um, from from Joy, who uh, wrote me an, uh, an abusive email. Um, <laughs> this thing, Those really historians John. get really narky. <laughs> oh, no. So she did this is, say. This is about the terrace houses. Did you wasn't say it? they were from the 50s? Yes, I did say that. I was tired, all right. Yes, terrace houses were in the 50s is when they were basically being knocked down and sold, which is what we say in this. And also in my head, I think I was thinking of the age Melbourne houses, which is a really interesting thing you could look up. But and um, I think I helped yeah. perpetuate the lie because I was thinking of the Melbourne Olympics. Oh, the Olympic Village, yeah. They, they were used as a lot of That's true. athlete housing, I but, imagine. But, but yes, as we mentioned here, the 50s is basically when the sorts of terrace houses we were talking about were, were being sold off. So um, so Anastasia Black, uh, so, so August Knight, and again, listening to this, both... A, what an amazing performance from Jane Badler, who gets to be unhinged oh, and chewing yeah. through things, which is her favourite type Jane of acting. Shout out Jane Badler. How great was it that she said yes to so us? So much fun. Oh. Um, and so good in it. And so, yeah, unnerving. But yeah. also, um, also I realised I'd done a lot of Wikipedia-ing for this episode because all the science I know is right, even though I've forgotten all of it. So she mentions well, all these real scientists. The she science mentions... being right, I think, is maybe stretching it oh, a no, little I, bit. I mean, I mean more the scientific history in that she mentions yeah, a bunch of female scientists. And we had that thing where she was part of the Manhattan Project. She was here then for the Marilinga test, that's all kind of believable. Yeah, 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 that's all. Yeah, Yeah, it's something I came across last year in some research I was doing 
that yeah, women in science that are overlooked so that, yeah, so that yeah. they're male because they're male peers but, take credit and, and are given get credit. Nobel prizes yeah. and they don't get mentioned even though they're as important, if not more important, on the research. And yeah, I, I was doing some research into Lisa Meitner, who is has a, an element named after her, Meitnerium, and she was one of the one of the people that essentially helped split the atom. Mm-hmm. Like it was mm-hmm. Lisa Meitner. Did, got zero credit and her peers took all the credit and won prizes. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just as recent as a few years ago, women were just erased from history and not given any credit oh, yeah. for their work. Yeah, and it's interesting, there's a bit where where Anastasia says, don't you want to go back and, you know, share your discoveries? And and basically the, the idea is, they'll say, how long have you been here? And I kind of think Augustus possibly then been there for hundreds of years. Like, I think, yeah. And I, th- I think we actually told Jane that the character was Betty Draper meets Miss Havisham. Wow. Yeah, which is wow. which is so up her alley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <but> and also, <laughs> terrifying. And terrifying. And that's the thing is, I think you could imagine this woman's just, like, you know, she's, she's been alone in this white bubble. For... Plus the woman in The Good Place who's in... Purgatory. The, in the medium place. The medium place. Yeah, the medium place. Yeah, actually, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah, a degree. Yeah. There's very Mindy much Sin- a degree Mindy of Sinclair. that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, no, that any is excuse an excellent to mention point. the good place, I'm yeah. into it. Yeah, she's a bit like that. And it's funny because that, that thing that goes on and, you know, it's just, it's driven, I think, so much by Anastasia and August's, yeah, kind of, they, they just have this amazing back and forth going on. And, Culminating in this line from Anastasia, things have changed, things are changing. If you want a better world, you have to help make it. And, ugh. My goodness, that just spoke directly to me. Yeah, so look, we just had an election here um, and, it, and it was disappointing. And, and apart from Eurovision, there's also been other stuff happening. Uh, we had a federal election as well and that was disappointing. And I must have been hearing that on the train on the way in. I got a bit teary. And it's often you're I wrote this, I wrote this some years ago, but it really feels like it's talking to me now. And uh, yeah, I, from a creative background, I, you know, I host a podcast where we make fun of neighbours and it's a great time, but... I've recently been trying to figure out ways that I can help women in my industry get, or young women get into the industry, the entertainment industry, and I've been trying to find ways to do that. And so I'm working on an interview podcast where I want to showcase more women in the media. And so that just, again, I just want to, that line that Anastasia says, you know, I want to put up on a wall or something, or at least put it up on the, on Instagram yeah. with a pretty background. That, that, sounds, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds right. That's changing the world, isn't it? Yeah, and I was going to do the bit where she said things have changed and there's that distinct moment of, have they? And she says things are changing. Like she has to kind of even downplay that. So what is August's role in the department? No, so so August was, was completely separate to oh. all of this originally. So she is an American scientist. She was involved with the Manhattan Project, which was, you know, creating nuclear weapons and all that sort of thing. She came out to Australia, um, you know, when the Maralinga tests were on, which were mostly focused around South Australia, but popped into Melbourne at some point. And we we hint, because she seems to know various people from that period who were working on, on the original quantum physics, that she had got interested in the idea of quantum foam, which is, as we mentioned, a entirely hypothetical concept. <laughs> it's not real foam. And well, it's not real foam, but uh, it may well be real. Well, yes, but she turned it into real foam, which is also the joke that I she like. Made, she, she made flubber. Yeah, basically she went, no, no, if it's foam, it's going to be foam. Um, and she doesn't know what a cappuccino is because that's how long ago she left. <laughs> but, and that whole idea that she went, no, I made a physical thing. I painted your house with it. Um, and that, And she mentions to the idea of, of, uh, this bit is, again, getting back towards real science, the idea of, of things attracting to, to themselves and and breaking down all things. And so she was basically saying how, 
it's it's breaking down everything, including language, which is why they can understand everyone speaking English because you, they're effectively contaminated. They've got like like paint poisoning effectively from being in the house is what nice. they have. Um, and it, it was satisfying to get an answer because Anastasia was wondering how they could understand people and Eddie was just happy to accept that well, they just it, could. But, although it's the other way around originally. In the first episode, Eddie's the one going, why can we speak English? And Anastasia's like, oh, you shout at people, they understand it. And then, yeah, she realises, in fact, no, that's not true. <laughs> She's been wrong about that the whole time. But um, so the whole thing is that, yeah, she was a real uh, scientist, but uh, after she paints all the houses... The, most of the houses have vanished. Obviously, all the houses have vanished by the time Anastasia moves into hers. Um, we might find out more about that in season two. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that's why the department definitely knew something weird had happened and they knew something wrong was this house and they basically had manoeuvred Anastasia into buying this house to keep an eye on it. But they weren't connected with August. She was just her own... Got it. ...working as, a, as an independent... Yeah, she, she didn't need them or anybody. Yeah. The department, we should probably mention that we conceive the department as having been exist, in existence for a long time, mm. which we might also learn more about yeah. in series two. But um, certainly August night. I mean, it's a really tragic story for her. Like, she's, yeah. she was a genius. She came up with amazingly forward-thinking things and has done stuff no one else ever could. Ended up basically travelling in time and space through a house which then also demolished. She got stuck in a void for like hundreds and hundreds of years. She's been waiting for people to come and, and, you know, she's been lonely this whole time and then effectively dies. That's, it's a really, (sighs) yeah, it's a really, really tragic story. And we never really find out, you know, what, like, why was she doing, was she just doing it to show she could? Was she going to do something evil and try and take over? We don't know. Oh, no, I think think she was just a pure scientist. I think it was... You Just do to it see if she to could. see if you can, yeah, and to see what she it will do. To ask if she should. Yes, yes, she was. Yeah, you know, I think she was just a scientific genius who wanted to see what could be done. Yeah. So then Anastasia realizes she can start manifesting things. So she makes a door to connect to Eddie, where Eddie and Sue are walking. Mm. Which is something she's sort of learnt from the previous episode as well, because she gets Eddie to to perceive a door. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, they're already sort one. of halfway there because that. That weird disco universe is also, mm. like, affected by what you think. You can make anything appear simply by thinking about it. It takes effort and focus. You wouldn't be able to just... More tea? That's not tea. It's a bowling ball in a wig. Not bad for a first go, though. Shall I try again? And, then, of course, there's a the thing, too, where the, the psychic igloo. Yeah. Um, now, that was so good. Gents, was this a reference that went over my head? No, no, it was just, I just really like the fact she's trying to protect them. Yeah, and, but what I really like is the bit where Sue says, I don't want to point this out, but the psychic glue is not really that much different to the light cage. <laughs> yeah. And what I like, though, is that David managed to make them sound slightly different. So it's kind yeah. of fascinating that even, because, you yeah, know, for me, the whole thing about this, this, you know, the visuals of this is everything is white. Like, you know, the eagles mm-hmm. be white, the flames be white, everything in this would be this headache-inducing white-on-white kind of... Yeah. I must admit the white void thing in general, and again, it's, it's a trope, you know, very tropey, but yeah, I, I always love white voids, even in, you know, the good place, if we mentioned. There's something, there's some, there's a timelessness about it. Yeah, about and I think it. there is a thing, you put them into, you know, is it five characters in search of an exit? Is that an episode of The Twilight Zone <laughs> or is that a famous play? Uh, whichever one it is, there's, there's, you know, <laughs> there's kind of that thing about you distill things down to the purity of just the characters, which is kind of what this episode's about to them having to try and, and work out who they are and where they're going and what the point is. So Eddie and Anastasia come to the realisation that because they are in no place and they want to go home, that they can 
get to no place like home by summoning the house to come and get them. This is interesting because I'm not sure if, if they've recreated the house. Yeah, it's like, a little bit. I think it's good that we left that ambiguous because maybe it's a new house that is identical it's to the, the old, old one, house. Yeah, or maybe it's the old house reassembled mm. or summoned somehow. And I, I think in a in a way, it doesn't really matter. But I like that we don't we didn't go deep enough to explain. But yeah, that. but it's certainly a house of built from memory. It's a so, commentary yeah. on architecture. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they've, yeah. they've created, and also because it's important, anything I write that's the last episode of second should have. Um, uh, Wizard of Oz references in it because yeah. <laughs> I tend to rewrite that a lot. So yeah, so the, the the Wizard of Oz bit, and I actually really like that it's it's built out of. Um, I want to ask a question to David, who is actually not on mic. But um, the the bit where we get the we get little uh, flashbacks, and I, and I think maybe in the script I just said we hear flashbacks by other episodes. Yes, can we can we get some sound advice from yeah, David and ask about the montage David moment? M- David may have chosen those. Let's get some sound advice from David Ashton who created all the audio. How did you put together that montage sequence? So so the script didn't specify. It said um, lines from previous episodes where they're talking about the house and the process of editing all these. I'd heard them all over and over again. So I could think of a few lines, but um, the one I, I was proudest of was putting in previously on Night Terrace in the <laughs> middle of a flashback scene, which um, I was quite happy it, about. It, it was a very postmodern moment because it, it took you out of it, but it also made perfect sense. Well, it was a meta joke to start with because yeah. it was Eddie saying previously on yeah. Night Terrace, but it's actually part of the conversation he's yes. having with, with Anastasia. And then it's meta to, doubly meta to, to sort of meta meta. Yes. Postmodern, post meta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're all very clever, is the bottom line. Oh, so clever. I want, I want to ask about a sound. I, I really enjoy uh, the whole bit where Eddie's running off into the distance and then he sort of comes back from the other direction. <laughs> and, and it's, did you pan, is that pan in stereo? I can never, I can Yeah, I think. And he um, disappears he, out of one ear and reappears. In the it re, other yeah, ear. it disappears to the right and then reappears on the left. There's no way to actually do a circle, unfortunately. No. <laughs> if you did it in five point one surround sound or something, you probably could. I, I always envisaged it as like in those Sesame Street episodes with Super Grover, where he goes off the side of the screen and then he comes back on the other side. <laughs> and you're like, how did you do that? And you're like, I know how you did it. You're a muppet, but it, it's 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 hilarious. <laughs> it, there is something a bit muppety to Eddie. Yeah, there is. Also in his footsteps, Grover's footsteps, because I was going to ask you, David, about the footsteps sounds with Sue and Eddie going for their stroll. It was that lovely almost tapping against the lino effect. And I don't. It's just, I just love the simplicity of those sorts of yeah, footsteps, sounds. Yeah, footsteps were a pain, <laughs> actually, <laughs> just, just generally. It was only after, after doing Series 2 when we were doing some little episodes, that I actually got hold of a, a little bit of software that made it really easy to do footsteps. It was like you, you just play them on a keyboard and, oh. and it automatically, you know, put it, puts in variations and things and you can just tap the keys in your, the right sort of pace and you, you choose what kind of shoe you want and what kind of floor you want and whatever. But at the time I was doing this, it was just, okay, here's my little recording of someone walking and I've got to cut it to be the right tempo and and then you know layer it so that it sounds like two people walking because if you if you put them in sync it's weird it's yeah. like they're marching but if you put them too much out of sync it just sounds like a bunch of random footsteps <laughs> so it's it's quite it's quite tricky this is this is really inside baseball but no but that just, does sound tedious just, but I love it yeah yeah exactly it's very finicky work so um I think I I kind of started at the beginning thinking uh, I won't 
I won't do footsteps in this show. <laughs> but then, of course, it immediately becomes like, oh, I need to have footsteps here, I need to have footsteps here. And here, to suggest this huge echoing void, you need footsteps that echo a bit. And, that, and, that's... and they're doing a Sorkin-esque walk and talk. You've got to have they some are, footsteps. That's true, yeah. And one more sound, the buzzing of the, um, the cage, the bubble cage that August puts them in. What was that? <laughs> yeah, that was just uh, some electricity sounds. It was just a, a light cage. Yeah, what, I, what I start with is I picture it and then I think, what does that sound like? What does that picture sound like? Um, so I thought, well, it's light, electricity. Yeah, I'll put a little buzz around them. And then when it's a psychic igloo, yeah, I instead treat the voice like they're in a, a really small <laughs> enclosed place. Psychic igloo? It was the first thing I thought of. Really, psychic igloo? I don't know if you noticed, but the psychic igloo is not massively different to the light cage. Thanks, Sue. And there are two sounds that I did identify that they came with GarageBand. <laughs> it was what, connecting to Wanda online, the e-assistant. It was like... Oh, okay. Anyway, so I was quite proud quite of myself. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those, I think those sound effects that come with GarageBand are very stock. Like, I think they appear in a lot of places because yeah. you hear them a little more often than would make sense for professional audio engineers to be using them because they're not using... You're not using GarageBand, are you, David? No, but no. I think I, I took the sound effects that come with GarageBand and just put them on in. An, I put that folder in with all my other sound effects. Oh yeah, because there's so some I'm, great ones in there. I'm not aware of whether I just know. Okay, that's that's free to use. So plonk it in there, and then I don't think about where they came from. So. And and it's yeah. and you can't have a bad like it's a beep. Like sometimes you just need this sort of beep, and yeah. so you, the We've, more sounds you can have it. At, in your arsenal, the better. I, I remember, yeah, I, yeah. I know that sound very well because we used it probably a little too often in uh, in the TV show I made for Channel 31 back in about 2007, uh, Planet Nerd. And uh, there's one particular episode that we did that was all flash animated where we were on a spaceship fighting against uh, another spaceship crewed by the then mayor of Melbourne, John So. We uh, used that sound effect a lot. Well, thank you, David. You can hop back into the psychic igloo now. So then, it, of course, it's left open because now that Anastasia is no longer the puppet of the department, she wants to go and find all the other night terraces for fun with Eddie, who she willingly wants to come Jackie with her. also mentioned too, and it's quite funny, she said she's going to be a grey nomad. And I haven't even thought about <laughs> it, but that's exactly what she's doing. She's going to do yeah. the, the proper retirement thing of travelling around in a caravan. That's exactly what... I think it's so sweet that it makes sense. It's like, yeah, why not? That would... That's what she would do. And she's finally embraced... I love how that she finally embraces it, but it takes her the whole season to go, actually, I can enjoy this. Like, I thought I wanted a quiet retirement. Mm -hmm. And I just love that arc for her that she's so grumpy and finally she realises it wasn't the adventuring that I hated. It was having to do it for someone else on someone else's terms. Yeah, and, and, and she loves the problem-solving part of it. Like, yeah. as Eddie keeps pointing out to her, going, you, you like doing this. One of my favourite things about her is that she celebrates her wins and her skills and her mm -hmm. abilities and... Like, well, not even celebrates, just points them out. Like, yep, I did that and I'm good at that. Yeah, and I'm so, I actually really like that moment where she's so proud of making you know, Manifest at the Door in this because it is such a weird thing to have done and she made it work. And that lovely bit where she goes, here's the door and, you know, here behind it's contestant number three. Like, she makes a joke about it. She's, she's so enjoying that moment. And I, I think she's really earned that chance to have those kind of cheesy one-liner mm. things because she almost never says them. And mm. She's always just more like sort of, she's, she's kind of anti-trope. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I love that about her. But this, it just felt so right in this episode for her to have those kind of lines. She she gets to play now. She can have yes. fun. Yeah. yeah, and 
the very end of the episode, look, usually in my notes I would scribble down a love heart when I really loved something that's really deep. But uh, I wrote, I scribbled three love hearts next to this final exchange when Anastasia says, fill the kettle, and Eddie says, aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's sweet. And even and even Sue, we don't really touch on it, but yeah, Sue wanted out as well. Like, yeah. And, yeah, and she she plays up at the beginning the, the terror they have about trying to talk to upper management. Like the, yeah, you know. I, I, I love that part of this episode. We get that little glimpse of what the department is actually like. Yeah. And they're super, like, it, we, we don't, I mean, we don't really know. It's all through sort of secondhand sources. And these people seem like they're quite cheery and they're doing their day jobs. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, you know, it's like we were saying in the episode four um, discussion, it's kind of like, um, better off Ted, you know, where mm. there's these normal people working for this hideously evil organisation. <laughs> yes. uh, and they are. They're like, once you work here, you don't get to leave. And that instantly makes us get suspicious about how did Anastasia get out? And, of course, she didn't. They let her out. Oh. So they yeah, yeah, she her. thought she was out, but yeah. she wasn't. You can tell a lot of artists created this, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I just don't want to work for the man anymore. <laughs> I just want to tell my own story. <laughs> yes. Well... Should we recommend a few tidbits for people to consume while they await a second series? Sure. Look, I'm going to go first just with two things we've already mentioned, so very quickly. Uh, the Good Place, if for some reason you haven't seen The Good Place, oh, what is it. wrong with you? It's amazing. It's up to season three. But just in case you haven't seen it, Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell, a.k.a. Anna from Frozen, yeah. a.k.a. Veronica Mars. So Kristen Bell uh, dies, goes to what appears to be probably heaven. We think it's called The Good Place, where Ted Danson is running it. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything is perfect there, and everything's made specially for you, and you get put together with your soulmate, only for her to admit they've got the wrong person. It's been a clerical error, and she's not supposed to be there because she's a bit of a douchebag. And the whole thing is how he, Chidi, helps, basically is trying to help her become a better person. That is all I'm going to tell you because beyond that, amazing stuff happens. And but the rest will do your head in. So that fits into your, you know, your whole world of, of, of weird, you know, voidy kind of places. And the other one we mentioned before, Sapphire and Steel, was an English TV series. I want to say late 70s, early 80s, but it could have all been early 80s. No, I think you're right. I think late 70s, early 80s. Joanna Lumley, David McCallum, they played... People, well, people, question mark. But this is the whole great thing about that show. It's impossible to explain. They were sent out when time was breaking through or breaking down. They were not human. Uh, they, were, they were actually like representations of the elements, although, although neither not sapphire nor steel <laughs> yes. is an element, so it and makes no sense really. They had weird powers, weird stuff would happen. It was lots of lots of voids and that thing. Um, and it was just a show where nothing made sense and it was weird and creepy and low-budget um, you know, English television and it's just a fascinating thing to watch. It's definitely on DVD and it, it is just, it's weird. Something that is available is... L. Frank Baum's series of Oz books, Mm -hmm. since we were mentioning No Place Like Home. Uh, But my actual recommendation is going to be the 1985 cult classic (gasps) Return to Oz. With TikTok, the bronze robot. I love that movie so much. TikTok, Jack Pumpkinhead, Feruza Bolk in her breakout role as Dorothy returning to Oz. It's weird and creepy and great. Nicole Williamson is the voice of the, the Gnome King. And it's almost like going home to Oz, another movie that you love as a kid. This is taking you back there, but, you know. My memories was much darker in a weird way, but I... I... It is very dark, but it's pretend, so you'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, ooh, final episode of season one on the terrace. Let's get narky. Okay, no, it is horrifying, but it's a great time. There's a pumpkin man. Return to Oz. Uh, look, I, I, I think I, I can like to recommend a couple of things. Uh, if you enjoy the trope of the white void room, um, one of my favourite ones appears in the TV show Angel, 
uh, in the later seasons where the evil uh, legal corporation of Wolfram and Hart, um, they have this weird white room where they have like a connection okay. to these evil spirits or whatever they are. You're never quite sure what they are, but they they advise them. Um, it's it's great. Uh, I love that. I also want to recommend and give a shout out to amazing guest star Jane Badler. Yeah. Um, please go and watch her in anything. You <gasps> will love so it. She's so good. As a musician, she is Oh, amazing. yeah, and listen yeah. to her music. Like, check her out online. We'll put a link in the show notes. But her music videos are incredible mm. as well. They're so good. Um, but watch V. Just watch V. Like, the old one, the new mm-hmm. one. It doesn't matter. She's in both of them. She's more in the old one. Well, that's a smorgasbord of content because <laughs> we need to tide ourselves over because we have to await Night Terrace Series 2. Is, well, sh- is that dropping soon? It, it is. August it? the 25th, it starts on the BBC um, and it's also an eight-episode series, so same length. Um, yeah, so it's a bit, be a bit of a break, but and not too long. Also, we should mention, one of the episodes you won't hear on the BBC, if you're one of our lovely, lovely BBC listeners, is um, the live special we did, which is pretty good. Yeah, um, and, it, and it's not, it's not a, there's no spoilers in it for Series 2 now that I think about it. It's sort of set somewhere during series yeah, two. Yeah, we said it's kind of set roughly, but it's, so So Sue is in it as a you know, human rather than as a weird character. Yeah. But it's, um, it was a live episode. So whatever the, the, the Kickstarter backing thing was, if we got to stretch goals, we would do a live episode. So it's filmed in front of a live audience. Let's on the terrace it. I want to talk about it. But I also love about that episode that we all had a crack at, at writing it. Yes. And I think it's one of the funniest episodes. Yeah, absolutely. It's also longer. It's about 40, 45 minutes yeah, long. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, so you only have the BBC, but you can purchase it from from nightterrace.com uh, or our Bandcamp store, splendidchaps.bandcamp.com. And, and many of you, uh, I assume, who are listening to this, have been buying the episodes from this. Thank you so much. Um, people buying series two as well, they can't wait to hear it. That's very gratifying it's very for us because it's weird. Like putting something out on the radio is like making a podcast. You just put it out there and you never hear from anyone. You don't know who's listening. Um, so those of you who have made that effort to follow up, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mentioned the thing I mentioned about when you're a fan of radio, as I am, uh, it's like liking television back in the 80s when no one knew what was going to happen ever. Oh. You know, and the first time you heard of anything was when an ad came on. You went, oh, that, that, there's a thing. So, for example, Ed Reardon's Week, one of my favourite shows, it's back for season 13. No one knew that was coming. Just happened. So, you know, so it's very exciting to have, have any kind of feedback at all. Well, it's been an absolute joy discovering this series because I was a bad friend and didn't listen to it when it first came out. It's been such a delight seeing what independent creators and producers can make and if everyone puts their heads together and works hard, it's, it's, it's very inspiring. I, think, I hope a lot of people are inspired by this. Oh, uh, so thank you, John and Ben. And David, who chimed in today, and the other splendid chaps as well, Petra Elliott, Lee Zachariah. Uh, and don't forget Amanda Buckley, who was also a guest on uh, episode four. And, 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 and Dave Lamb, who was one of our, our company. He hasn't yes. been on the thing, but Thank just, you, yeah, Dave he's Lamb. one of our, yeah. Also, you know what my favourite Neighbours podcast is? It's Neighbours. Oh. It's amazing. You should find it. Where would they find it, right? Neighbourspod.com. We've had some cast members on recently, uh, so they've been, they've been some fun times. And I've got a new podcast that I'm launching. It doesn't quite exist yet, but it's mm-hmm. but there's a teaser trailer up at mediadarlings.com.au. I mentioned earlier about interviewing women in Australian mm-hmm. and uh, showbiz and what they do in their day jobs. So that'll be coming soon. Watch out for that. And if you'd like to be interviewed, uh, you can drop me a line on that website as well. 
nightterrace.com for all the good stuff relating to this podcast. And if you are looking for other things to listen to in between seasons of On the Terrace, you can find the other Splendid Chaps podcasts. Uh, There's links to them all at splendidchaps.com. That includes our original podcast, Splendid Chaps, uh, the live podcast about Doctor Who, originally from 2013, but there are a few more recent episodes as well. Uh, Pratt Chat, the monthly Terry Pratchett book club podcast hosted by myself and Elizabeth Flux. What a great name. It's a good name, isn't it? Yeah. And and she's a great co-host. And uh, if you enjoy science fiction in general and you've been watching Star Trek Discovery, you may even enjoy Rediscovery, which was our Discovery recap podcast. We are nerds for all seasons. Yeah. And I'm no longer sci-fi curious. I'm I'm in there. I'm... Ooh, look at you. You're going to need a new tagline for On the Terrace Season 2. We'll workshop that. I'm (laughs) sci-fi embroiled. (laughs) Embedded. Tweet at Night Terrace. Use the hashtag on the terrace to talk more about these episodes and keep an eye on bbc.co.uk and your iPlayer app and BBC Sounds for when the new episodes come to you. And if you would like us to do a Q&A episode, fire your questions off at us at Night Terrace on Twitter or Night Terrace on Facebook and we'll put some questions and answers together for you. Well, I'm Vaya. Thank you, Ben and John. And you can join us in Series 2 for another cuppa on the terrace. You have been listening to On the Terrace, a Splendid Chaps production. Find more entertainment for your ears at splendorchaps.com.